0: Hey, if this is your first time here, I want to personally welcome you. My name is Ricardo Stewart. one of the pastors. Uh, We are uh, in a series that we're going to conclude today called Bless, and we're going to be able to do that this morning. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and meet me in Acts chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand and keep your hand raised really high, and then one of our uh, very qualified ushers will get you a copy of God's Word. Um, and then we will be able to follow along. Okay, so a couple things here before we jump into the text, and that is this Friday, this upcoming Friday, I want you to mark your calendar We are going to do something as a church. We did it a couple years ago, um, so this is the second time we've done this. Is we're going to have a day of fasting, and we're going to come together, and we're going to pray, and we're going to sing some songs, and we're going to go eat. And so that, that looks like this. Thursday night, get your last meal in, go to bed, and then all Friday, while you're at work, while you're at school, or whatever it is that you're doing, that you're praying in your mind, and praying in your head, and fasting, and remembering ultimately that God is the only one who sustains us and praying for a completely, uh, a renewal of God's spirit in our church and ultimately in our city. And so if you're not familiar with fasting and that's something that's new to you and you want more resources on that, please go to the website. There's a great blog that's written by Benjamin Jensen that's on there on fasting. But we'd love to see all of you guys here this Friday, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Now, we're not going to go all the way to 8 p.m. We're going to come, we're going to pray, we're going to sing a few songs, and then we're going to break from there and then go find places to eat because we will be very, very hungry uh, with people in our congregation. And so that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And so we ask you guys to join in and participate with us again that's this Friday, six thirty uh, PM um, to eight o'clock PM in this room. So that's that's all I have for any just announcements in there. So this series, if you guys are just joining us, we had a series on bless and it's been somewhat of a vision, some sort of a mission series. And the the series is, is basically taken from Genesis chapter twelve, where God calls Abram and says, I'm blessing you so that other families may be a blessing you might have heard the phrase before in some Christian circles that we're blessed to be a blessing. And what does that mean? And so week one, we looked at how are we blessed with our resources financially when it comes to giving and being a part of a local church. And then last week, Will came and did a phenomenal job in talking about as we're blessed we're also blessed to serve, to serve within the local body as well as to serve and wash the feet of those in our community. And today we get to talk about gathering, and it's somewhat ambiguous title, but I'm just going to tell you. Here's what we're talking about. We're talking about what does it look like for us to participate in the mission of God. Those of us who are followers of Christ, what does it look like for us to participate in the mission of God and what he's doing in redeeming all creation, primarily looking at three components or aspects as a Christian church that we could never lose. Um, We're going to be looking at what does that look like at the early church that when God started his church, what did they have? What are those essential elements that we need to have? And one is God's word. And so we're going to talk about that. What does it look like to carry forth the mission that's an understanding and knowing, engaging God's word? Number two is God's people. we're going to spend a lot of time there. And I think that's what we're going to be most challenge when it comes to God's people and all of God's people, not just the people that look like us and think like that, but all of God's people. What it's like for us to be able to be that sort of church. And then lastly, God's spirit. What we begin to see is when we are engaging God's word and we're engaging God's people and doing the things that God's called us to do, how he supplies the Holy Spirit and he adds to the number of his church that people begin to know and trust Jesus. And so that's where we're going to be at today. There's going to be moments and times where it's going to feel like, dang, is he, is he kind of getting into my grill? So I'm going to ask for permission right now. And I know it's kind of hard because you can't really, like, say yes or no. Uh, but that I can get in your grill. And if you don't know what that is, that's just me getting, that means me politely getting in your face, all right? So we're good with that? All right, if you weren't, I don't know what you're going to do. All right, let's, let's pray and let's have, let's have some fun with God's word. Father, we thank you so much for the gospel of Jesus Christ, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you've called me in this particular time to this particular people in this particular place, Lord. I'm, I'm overjoyed, God. I'm reminded, Lord, what a gift it is. I'm reminded, Lord, what a gift it is, Lord, to be able to open up your words and be able to understand even part of it. God, we are reminded, Lord, of what a gift it is to know the Lord Jesus Christ, to have a true hope that we will be with you and see you face to face. God, we thank you, Lord, for, for the privilege to gather together amidst your people that know you and trust you and many who are here, who, Lord, who have no idea about who you are. God, help us to understand that when it comes to us being blessed, Lord, that we've been blessed with more than just material things, but the Spirit of Christ was, is in us, Lord, compelling us and pulling us to be your people, Lord. And so, God, we ask and I ask personally, Lord, that you would show us the work of Christ and his name would be exalted, Father, that you would challenge us where we are, God, that we would be the people who you've called us to be in Christ's name. Amen. I want to start first with a quote from Dietrich Bonheifer here and and talking about this word community. He says this, Let him who cannot be alone be aware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into the void of words and feelings. And the one who seeks solitude without fellowship perishes in the abyss of vanity and self-infatuation and despair. You You need time alone, but you also need community. You need them both. Well, when it comes to this community, this next quote here even communicates even more of what we need. And this is by Martin Luther King Jr. Men often hate each other because they fear each other. And they fear each other because they don't know each other. They don't know each other because they cannot communicate, and they cannot communicate because they're separated. Martin Luther King once said decades ago that the most segregated per hour in our country is 11 a.m. on Sundays. And he was speaking to the most common and traditional time of churches and going, How is it that the people of God cannot actually be together? So you have both of these men, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who spoke in in a time during Nazi Germany and living in Germany and spoke against the ills of ultimately society there. Um, When you begin to read any of Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, which I highly recommend, if you want to start somewhere, start with the book Life Together. It's very, very convicting. That this whole ideal of this thing we call call church, he's going to confront us in that. He'll challenge you and go, are you really a part of the church? Like, are you really connected with God's people? Not the building. That's just the building. The people. Are you in life with people? Are you fully known and people fully know you? Can someone kind of ask you a question and challenge you? And can you do likewise? Do you really know each other? Well, Bonhoeffer writes a lot of things like that. In fact, you would think that he lived for like 100 years. But the guy was like 30-something when he, when he died, right? I mean, he was young in his prime, good-looking, 33, about my age, just still doing it, right? And then you had Martin Luther King who spoke in our country. And primarily, he spoke on behalf as a Christian to churches, but also to the country around us and going, how do we ever expect to do anything if there's separation? One of the buzzwords in our community, in our, excuse me, in our culture right now is the word community. Everybody has community. The grocery store has community. Starbucks has community. Everybody's saying community. But the Bible talks about a way deeper community. If we're talking about riding fixies and drinking beer and having good coffee, go for it. But that's not necessarily what the Bible talks about, community. You know why? You don't need the Holy Spirit for that. The type of the things that, that the Bible calls us to are things that are very, very difficult. And the phrases that we use in Christian circles oftentimes it's messy. It's not just messy. It's hard, and it's very, very, very difficult. And when you read through the Scriptures and you see any men or any women of God that begin to participate in God's mission, it's not always pretty. Like, everybody wants to say, I want to be for Jesus. I, I want to live my life for the Lord. Those of us who are Christian, we want to be a part of what God is doing. We want to get to certain places, but we don't want to go through the process of what is needed in order to get there. Oftentimes, we, we can listen to people who are much older much wiser and have walked longer with the Lord. And we want their marriages. We want their walks with the Lord. But when you actually sit down with those people and say, how did you get here? They go through things that we go, man, I never want to go through that in my life. I hope God never asked me to do that. I hope he never asked me of those things, and yet that's exactly what God does in a life of a follower of Christ, in order, and ultimately to get that man and that woman of God looking most like them. So I don't know about you, right, but I care a lot about the local church. I really do, and I care a lot about God's mission, right? I really do. And I do want to look like Jesus, but if, if, if I'm honest with myself and we could be honest with ourselves, we might be the type of people that can attract a crowd, but are we growing to be the type of people that are pouring ourselves out for one another in the context of a local church? So what, what, what I want to be able to do is going, okay, what's the question right now? Like, what is the question? The question is, how do we as a people gather? What is it that draws us together and gathering? And what is it that we ought to be doing when we gather? I'm not talking about Sunday service flow, not just gathering here on a Sunday. is massively important, that is. But what happens throughout the week when we're in each other's homes, when we're in each other's lives, how do we actually become community? How do we actually walk alongside? How are we brothers and sisters in Christ that we hold out the hope of the gospel to our brothers and sisters in ways that are edifying the body of Christ and glorifying the name of Jesus? And so I, I, I want, that, that's exactly where we're going right now um, and, and looking at it. So if you're with me in Acts chapter 2, let's read here what's happening here in the, in the early church. And we'll give some context and history on what's happening. Verse 42, chapter 2. Um, describing this first church. Here, here's what they did. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. Let me just give you some context here on where, where we're headed at. All right? I'll give you about a minute and a half of some biblical theology to catch us up to what's happening here. So in Genesis chapter 12, the launch verse that we started with this series, we see God himself choosing this man named Abraham. And he chose one man, one man named Abraham. And he told Abraham, here's what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to bless you. This was God's grace in his life. It was nothing that Abraham was doing. It was nothing that God said, you know what, Abraham looks like he might be a good leader. Um, He talks well. He speaks well. He's got a little swag. I think I'm going to pick him to, to start this thing off. doesn't do that. He chooses Abraham for God's own purposes and says, I'm going to bless you so that your family would be a blessing to all the other families. Meaning God himself says, I choose a people, I give them my grace, not that they would just sit in it. And just like, sing songs and write songs about it, maybe gather together about it. But they would actually now, because of a vertical relationship with God, be propelled out to the people around them. And it says, as you are doing this, you will bless other families. And that word families there that we see in, um, in Genesis chapter one to 12, uh, verses 1, 2, and 3, the word families is the word ethne, where we get ethnicities. So God himself was starting off this plan of redemption, and in his plan of redemption, he decided to work through people like you and I, normal people like Abraham, and then ultimately good news was actually that he would draw in every nation and every tribe and every language. That was gospel, which means good news. Now, some of us have a hard time with that. they think, like, well, how do we know that? Well, if you jump forward just real quick. Um, you go to Galatians chapter 3, verse 8. Paul is talking and he's talking about this very text. He says, God preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham. I mean, God says, I'm going to start this long plan of redemption. And I'm going to start drawing everybody. Like anybody who wants to get in on this is going to be able to get in on this. Like anybody. Anybody. That, that anybody who wants to get in on the, on the grace that God's extend that they can get on it. And so God's people were supposed to be a, a missional people, a people who would witness God's name. And so that family grew, and they had the law, and God had redeemed them, and they were supposed to live in such a way that other nations would see God. They failed in it, right? And the history goes, and we went through Judges. you see how bad it was? The 12 tribes of, of God's people were not obedient, and they fell in the mission, and God allowed another country to come in and scatter them in a time called the Exile. Well, when God's people came back together, they began to worship God. But it was during that time that the prophets began to speak on behalf of God of going, okay, we know there was one man that God chose. And we know the whole nation came out of it. But there's going to be another man. And he's going to come. And this Messiah is going to come. And he's going to do work. And the beginning of the New Testament, we hear about this Messiah. It's none other than God himself he puts on flesh. And that Jesus begins to do what all of Israel failed to do. That he actually fulfills the law in himself on our behalf. That Jesus himself actually does bring hope. He actually does come peace. He says, I came to do what the scriptures say. I came to set the prisoners free. I came to bring a year of jubilee. I came to bring a year of favor. I came to bring grace. And he go, takes all of that on our behalf to the cross. And he dies on the cross and he shed his blood. And just, just, just so we know about this whole culture thing and this whole ethnicity thing, um, Jesus' blood was not pure Jewish blood. When you look at the genealogy of Jesus, what you begin to see there was all these other nations and tribes that somehow got into the blood of Christ. It's like God already knew knew that when he shed his blood he shed his ro- blood for the world so when he says that god so loved the world he literally means god so loves the world that he gave his only son and jesus dies on the cross for the world well then on the resurrection he comes out he comes out of the tomb you guys know the story we're going to go over this again in a few weeks for easter too right he comes back and he goes to his disciples and he says okay all the power and authority and heaven's been given to me here's what i want you to do he didn't say, I want you to sit on a Sunday for an hour and a half, make sure you sing some songs, no one to clap, no one to stand, no one to sit down, no one to say amen, and then go and do whatever the heck you want to do. No. He says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go make disciples. It isn't say go make disciples of people who are most like you. It isn't say go make disciples of people who vote like you, listen to the same music in you. You guys go concerts together. You guys can hang out together. Huh. He didn't say, go to this, go, go hang out people the same age as you. Go make disciples. No, no, no. He says, go make disciples of all nations. And, and, and you don't need to know Greek or Hebrew to know that all nations means all nations. Every people group, every person, every type, every preference, every social economic bracket, meaning that God says this, this mission thing, it's as wide as the world. Go for it. No one's going to be able to say, we're done. We kind of went out, Jesus, we got them all. They all saved, right? Not at all. He says, all power and authority is given. So go make disciples. Primarily, the church, when we gather, everything we do is for the primary purpose of making disciples. Everything we do is for the primary purpose of making disciples, people who follow Jesus. Accountability, when we come to community, is not about people checking in if you've done something wrong or if you've done something right. It's, are you accountable to the life of Jesus Christ? Are you accountable, is your life beginning to, to resemble, to reflect, to look like the God-man Christ who came and gave himself as a ransom for many, that all who would come along would be a so-that people that would begin to bless in certain ways where the gospel would go forth, right? That, that, that's, he says, go make disciples of all nations. So his, his, his disciples are like, all right, we're going to do this. How is We're going to do this. And he goes, I'm about to leave. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to come back. I'm going to bring heaven back. But before I get back, you guys got a lot of work to do. Because a lot, I mean, listen, I only came to Jerusalem. You guys are going to go to the whole world, right? And he says, wait in this room, and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And then you begin to read Acts and how the church began. And the beginning of Acts, you see that the people of, of God are in a room. They're locked. They're afraid. I mean, you, you'd be afraid, too. The, the man that you're supposed to follow, they killed him. What are they going to do to you? And they're praying, and the Spirit comes down on them and the spirit rains down on them and they start speaking in tongues and they start speaking other languages and they're just they're they're doing things that people have no idea they're speaking in languages that are not their own language yet other cultures are hearing it going what's going on and one man actually said are these men drunk and someone's like no it's 12 o'clock which I never got that. It's like, are they getting drunk later? Like, what, what, what's going on, right? And it's just, it's like, this is happening. And then the church began to grow. Peter gets up and he speaks on behalf of God. He shares the gospel. It was very simple. Hey, this Jesus, you guys killed him. And yet he died for your sins. You want in on it? And people are like, we want in on it. And then they joined in and God had 3,000 people on that day begin to trust Jesus. And they're going, what are we going to do? And then that's where we get back into the story. We see God had already been gathering a people to himself. We see at the very end of the Bible that he said all nations and all tribes will begin to worship him when the kingdom is fully realized. And in the between time, we as a church are supposed to be somewhat of a preview of that kingdom to come. Like the way in which we live, we are a preview to the people what Christ would look like if he was in their lives. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That we're a preview in certain areas of vocations that this is what Christ would look like when it's fully redeemed. This is what the world would look like when it's fully redeemed. This is what Christ looks like ultimately with a, with a gathering group of people. That's what the local church does. And the church begins here in Acts chapter five. And so there's a few, a few components here. A few components. We're going, okay, well, how do we live? That's pretty massive, simple, right? I'm sitting here. God's word, God's people, and God's spirit. Guys, listen, God's word, God's people, and God's spirit. Look at me, the first one is God's word. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Stop there. We can spend the whole sermon on this. What does it mean to devote yourself to the word of God? To devote yourself to the word of God. I don't want to show hands right now. If I ask you right now, hey, could you kind of just walk through the Bible with me? Can you just tell me everything that the Bible is about? Can you show me what it says about marriage? Can you show me what it says about uh, maybe politics? Can you show me what it says about certain things? Can you help me out? What does Zephaniah say? What does it say? um, Right? And most of us would go, "Uh Mm, nope. Right? (laughs) Right? And that's not to go, you guys are bad. It's kind of sinning. It's just the reality of it is most of us don't know our Bibles. Right. Some of you are going, I've been a Christian for six weeks. You get a pass. You're good. Just hold on. Just hold on, though, because it's coming. Right. But many of us, we've probably been around Christianity and would probably say that we've been Christians for maybe five or more years. But yet the, the central thing that we have that reveals to us our God, the Bible, we just like we can't check out on it. Like, we're going to come and go, dang, I hope Ricardo brings it today, right? I ain't that good, right? Nobody can just, just give you the Bible in, in 35 minutes, which I really go 38. But anyway, so there's, there's there's like, you you got to get the word. Think about this. So um, there's an author. You probably know the name. Uh, J.K. Rawlings. Anybody know who that? All right. So, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So Harry Potter, right? You heard of the movie, the book, right? There's, like, there's like the third most sold book or something like that. My assumption is when people, like I've just, I've never read the book. <laughs> and I've never watched the movie. I tried. Guys, I just can't get into like, um, I just can't get into, I don't even know what you call. I just can't get into it, right? And, uh, and I get it. There's all this quidger, quidger something. Somebody's like, you don't know what quidger I'm like, I don't even know how to say it. And you're grown. You shouldn't even, that shouldn't even come out of your mouth. That doesn't sound right. But good book from what I hear. The point is, people bought the book, and I guarantee you they read it from start to finish, right? You never picked up the Harry Potter book and went, all right, let me, Right, <laughs> right? Those of us who've tried to read our Bibles, we've done that before. Oh, I think the spirit of sin, uh-oh, right? <laughs> right, you, you, you got the book, and you read it from start to finish, and you begin to know it, and you recite it. And you know certain things about it. You know, if I told you something about the book that was incorrect, you'd be like, no way, that didn't happen, right? You you get into it. It's like people get into these things, right? It's a good novel. It's a, Go for it. Right? I don't even know if it's a novel. It's a good book, supposedly, right? And so you get into it. The Bible, on the hand, most sold book ever. Hardly ever read from cover to cover. Hardly ever understood. Hardly ever within christian circles i'm not talking just culture people who trust in jesus like understand it know it and i used to always say hey guys we need to read our bibles right you heard the pastor say you need to read your bibles i don't even know if i want to use the phrase you want to read your bible anymore because i think you could read the bible and kind of just gloss over it check a box and get out of it we need to engage the bible we need to engage scripture like let it have supremacy and authority over our lives so we don't make statements like, I don't think God will, you know, the God that I know wouldn't, you know, he would never. And then it's like, okay, you can say that, but let's just go and see what this God actually says. Because sometimes like, oh, God would never, and you go, oh, he did. He's going to do it again, <laughs> right? So there, there's there's an understanding of this of this God that we begin to know. And you're not going to learn the Bible overnight, but I mean, engaging and going, Lord, what is this scripture saying to me? And do it in the context of one another. The early church here, the first church, they said, okay, we just had the most amazing experience ever. The Spirit of God came on us. We were speaking other languages. Peter got up, preached probably a very, very short sermon, and 3,000 people said, I want in there. I want a part of this. They gave their life to Jesus. And we go, what we need more than anything is to devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, the teachings that Jesus taught, the scriptures, the Old Testament. What does it begin to reveal about our God and who we are and what he's done on our behalf and where he's taken human history? That, That was massively important. For that group of people. So for the next couple of years, we are going to work very hard at trying to get all of us to engage Scripture for the purpose of us not just knowing Scripture but actually living it out. Amen? Like we, we can't say we're a Bible church. So there's this organization that, that we, we know and they're they're asking us in different churches, let us use our our basically, they have um, like tests that we take, they, they give the people that will assess your biblical literacy, right? And you know, pastors are scared. They're like, oh man, no, we're good. Use another church down the street. See what they say, right? Because you know what's going to happen. We're all going to take it. Our pastors are going to take it. We're like, oh, we didn't know that, right? And we, we, can, we can pride ourselves. We're theological. We're doctrinal. We're, listen, we're only as good as God would allow us to be, right? We're going to have as much as God as we want. Think about that. Like, God is one of the very few things that, one of the very few beings that you're going to go, I want time with God. You don't have to get on his schedule. You don't have to email his assistant. You don't have to tweet him. You don't have to Facebook him. You don't have to Instagram him. You don't have to Snapchat him or anything like that, right? You can just go straight to him. And he speaks every single day. He speaks through his word. And the more he begins to speak to his word, the more you can be able to understand the subtle voices of the spirit in your life. They engage the scripture. But, but that wasn't it, Right? they got the word of god but the word of god was not just this me and jesus that's one thing i've been hearing lately not need. i don't need the people i don't need the church i got the bible i got the holy spirit that's how heretics are formed fyi serious you take the bible you take the spirit i can say whatever it wants and i don't if you're going to tell me it doesn't say this and i don't want you i don't want you and it's just you and your bible no 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 it's community they read it in the context of others so it was god's word and then the second part here it was god's people look at this and they broke bread excuse me they had fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Fellowship is that word that sometimes you hear in Christian circles, and it's more than just hanging out. It's being in the life of one another. It's beginning to mimic and resemble and be like the people you're around, right? You guys have that experience yourself or somebody else where they start hanging around a group of people, and they start acting like those people? You ever have that? No? Some of you guys like, no, it's never happened to me. Um, You ever hear somebody talk to somebody, then talk to another group of people, and it's like, wait a minute, like that was like two different conversations. All right, well, maybe it's just me, right? Me and you are different, clearly, right? So my wife always says, hey, I can tell who you're talking to on the phone. When we first got married, I'm like, what do you mean, who am I talking to? What are, you, what are you talking about, girl, right? And she's like, well, I can tell who you're talking to. Like, she like, when you're talking to your friends, and this is funny, because after the 11 o'clock service, I said this, and we, we hung out with some friends. I'm like, dude, we totally know what you're talking about. Um, she was like, I can tell when you're talking to your friends or people from church or, like, people from, like, your like, hometown or like people you, you played football with in college and stuff. I'm like, what do you mean? And, you know, she's like, well, you talk to your friends from church. It's like, oh hey, oh, hey, hey, how are you doing? Praise the Lord. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's a blessing and a half, right? <laughs> you know how Christians, we say some dumb things sometimes. Like, we'll say things just because, how you doing? Better than I deserve, right? And it's like, it's true. It's totally true. But it's just like, you were going to say that no matter what I just said, Right. So, and I don't talk like that, but it was something like that. And she goes, and then, like, you know, you, I could tell when you're talking to your boys or something like that from back home because it's always like, yo, it's like, what's up, right? It's like, and it is. And I, I didn't know I had this going on, and she pointed it out, but it's just, you know, you kind of, you, you know, you, you kind of like the people you kick it with, right? My mom used to always say, you're always as good as the company you keep. And I know she got that from the Bible somewhere, but I don't know because I'm biblically illiterate, and so I got to figure it out. <laughs> so what happens this way, right? You even can tell where people are from, right? And people in Arizona move here from all sorts of other places, right? Midwest, East Coast, California, and so forth. And you can tell people from the Midwest, they search certain things of an accent. This lady was talking to me this morning at the church, and I knew she was from the Midwest from somewhere. She goes, how'd you know? I'm like, I just know, man. Um, and then and you can tell when people are from different parts. And then the, the West Coast people, we are, you can tell someone's from the West Coast because they use the word like after every sentence, right? Uh, it, it bothers me. And yet I'm like, 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 like the <laughs> same way, Right. Um, when people are with Jesus and you're around Jesus people, what are the things that people pick up and notice about us? Like, what are the things when you go, oh, I can tell you're a part of that little Jesus people thing. Like, do they say things like, oh, we know that because there's all, there's everyone amongst you are equals. Do They say, yeah, yeah, I can, I can tell you what that Jesus thing, because you guys are pretty much like, you guys are always serving the poor. And I could tell you with that Jesus thing, because you guys are always sharing things, you're always caring for each other, you're always just, I mean, I could tell you with that Jesus thing, and like, you know what, I don't believe what you believe, but man, we're sure glad you're here, because if you guys were not here, we'd have to raise taxes because of how much stuff you guys do. Like, do they say those things? I, oh, that's right, I know you're, you're part of that Jesus thing, I know, I, I, could, I could tell, because there's something about your life that looks like what I think Jesus would probably look like. Right? And maybe they do, I don't know. But when you're with God's people, there, there should be something about the nature of Christ that spills out. That when you when you are truly doing community and it's shaped by God's word, when you're with God people, God's people, it should look different than maybe it looks right now. I, I, I just want you to do something when you go. I'm going to your Facebook or whatever you have. Look how many friends you have and see how many of them are like you. Look how many followers of Christ friends you have and see if them will probably vote the same way you will vote. Will probably listen to the same music you listen to, probably have the same degree of education that you have, probably are in the same es- uh, social economic bracket or someday would be, have the same dreams, same aspirations as you. And then you can ask yourself, am I really truly living out the implications of the gospel? Did Jesus put on flesh, leave the comforts of heaven, and come up and be with people who were on the same social economic range as him? No, nobody was. And In fact, he began to engage the marginalized and who no one else wanted to engage with. Is that something that people would look at? Redemption Tempe, 5 o'clock service, and go, yeah, those people, that's what they do. Right? Like, when it says that they broke bread, they didn't just sit and come in into the temple and worship. Like, that was a part of it. Breaking bread meant they left and they went home. And they invited people into their actual homes and their houses. And their apartments and their dorms and the places they... They invited the socially awkward people who always made a mess out of things and said, you come eat with us. We know it's not going to be as fun, but we're still going to have you here with us because we love you. And you're part of this family. And where else would you go? You're with You're, you're one of us, right? Do like you know what it's like when you... You ever had somebody in your house that you didn't want to be there? You're, you know what that's like. I can't wait till they leave, Right? And I know a lot of you guys don't have kids. It's worse when people bring their kids over and they parent their kids different than you. And you, break, they come to your house and start to touching stuff. It's like, you, why are your kids touching my stuff? Right? Like, you know, you tell your kids, "Hey, we don't do that in our family." Another kid starts and is it, like, "Why is he doing?" Right? I was like, "Oh, his parents don't know how to raise him. That's why." Right? You know, you would never say that. Right? You would never say that. But it gets awkward. It gets uncomfortable. You ever eat a meal with somebody where it's very difficult? Some of you have, maybe recently, right? I don't know, maybe it was a date. I have no idea, right? But it's very, very difficult. They put something on the table. You're like, I ain't eating that, right? That when it comes to breaking bread and praying, this is not just how can we have fun? How can we get some nice drinks out there, get the candles? It's like, no, man, how can we get together and center our lives around Jesus Christ and we'll figure the rest out? We'll figure it out. The church in itself was never supposed to be a monolithic uh, Homogeneous people. We're like, somehow we're just a lake. Um, when it says that they were together and breaking bread, that meant they did the hard work of being in each other's lives. They did the hard work of people of God getting together and actually praying. Let me just ask you a question. When's the last time you got together with someone and said, we're just gonna get together and pray? What are you doing? We're gonna get together and pray. What are you doing? We're gonna get together, break bread, we're gonna pray. What are you doing tonight? We're just gonna hang out. Hey, can we pray? Right? I think it's interesting When I talk to people, that the most transparent that they get is with a pastor who you barely even know. And yet you're with people who love Jesus every single day and you live with and They don't know anything about you. That somehow I become like the Catholic priest where I just can open the door and you tell me your stuff and then you go out. And nobody even knows. Like that's not good for your own soul. Like you need to be in a position where somebody knows you. Someone deeply loves you. And when it comes to a particular type of community, we get very particular on how we want to choose the community. And I'm just telling you, if you're looking for a particular, like when we're done, we're here, we're going to go out and you guys can sign up to be a part of different RCs, which are smaller groups and other groups. You're going to have an opportunity to do that. It's going to be great. But don't look for a group that somehow fits you. Don't go shopping for a community like you're shopping at the store for the best price or something that's going to work for you. But something that's is going to challenge you that your presence being there in somebody else's life is going to matter and their presence being there in your life is going to matter that you can break bread and you can pray with them. Amen? D- Dietrich Bonhoeffer, again, has this other quote. I think we had this other quote in there. I didn't use it earlier, but I'm ready. This, this crowd, they're ready for it. <laughs> the person who loves their dream of community will destroy community. But the person who loves those around them will create community. Dang. Right? If... if if I just live that out, if I, just, if, I, if I just did that, if I just say, you know what, it's not that this city's great, so I love it, but in loving it, it becomes great. It's not that this, my wife's great, but in loving her, she becomes great. Like, I'm actually going to put my interest as above her, uh, my, her interest is above mine, and I'm going to put your interest above mine, and that's how I'm going to find my greatest joy. I might actually be living out the implication of the gospel. I might actually start to look more like Jesus. We might actually begin to look more like Jesus. And so they begin to break bread with each other. And they broke bread with each other, ultimately, on racial lines they crossed, on economic lines they crossed. And this is what the church began to be known as, guys. I I just want to show something with you from just a theological standpoint, and we'll, we'll roll through this really quick. If you put the Ephesians 2 text up here, Paul is talking, and most of Pauline theology is actually trying to get the churches who were started, where Jews were used to being with Jews and Gentiles were used to being the Gentiles. And he was saying there's something of the gospel that does something new to you guys, and it draws you guys together. Can we do that? Can we do that? Right? That's, that's what he was doing. And Ephesians here, which most Christians, they love Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. It's by grace you have been saved, by grace, by grace, by grace, 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 grace. But then after that, Paul's like, we ain't done. Where'd you go? <laughs> like most evangelical Christians like, yeah, by grace, by grace, by grace. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. They get this vertical relationship with the Lord. But the vertical relationship always pushes you out to a horizontal relationship. That means it pushes you to the people next to you. And it's a lot easier for us to actually sit in rows, and rows than it is to sit in circles and actually have to see people and deal with them in their mess. He says this now in response to the gospel of grace. Therefore, remember that you at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, called this uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from in place of two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing hostility. You think Jesus cared about this? In his flesh that was ripped in order that Jew and Gentile may be one? That he actually brought peace? That he's actually creating something new? Okay, if Jesus cares about this this whole ideal of us actually being diverse, and not in the way the culture talks about being diverse, but people who actually begin to reach outside of our own security and our own comfort, but learning what it means to be comfortable being uncomfortable to the point where he actually says, here's an example. How about I leave heaven and I come? And not an example, but the very power that is needed for us to do that. Jesus says, I've already supplied it on the cross. I've given it to you. All you have to do is enter in by faith. That if you get grace, ultimately, vertically, that horizontally, that it should look like in such a way that you live out. And when he says he's creating now a new man, there's two words in Greek for, for, um, for new. One means new of its kind. Meaning if you have like a 2011 car and there's a 2016 version now, that's a newer in its kind. And the other one is new altogether, never been done. What he's talking about that is new altogether. That something of the gospel of Christ Jesus brings something new that's never been done. Let me ask you this now. Is there anything that we're doing as you look around the room saying, has this never been done? <laughs> has a bunch of 20-something white people ever gotten together? <laughs> um, has that ever been done? Are we living out those implications? So the, the identity that we, we, we claim on ourselves, that word Christian, Christ follower, it first came in a city in Antioch. We read about it in, the, in, in Acts. And it, in that group, there was all these, so, was all these groups um, in the Roman Greco world. And the groups were, were very homogenous. They, they looked alike. They looked like each other. And they had different ideologies and different um, philosophies. And then when it came to the Christian, because they were rich and they were poor, um, because they were Jew and because they were Gentile, um, and because many of them spoke different languages from different places, um, they didn't know what to do with them. And they didn't know what to call them. And they said, okay, what's the one thing that unites them all together? You know what they called them? They called them Christians. <laughs> And it says there is where they were first called Christians because they said the only commonality that they have is a person of Jesus Christ. It's a person of Jesus Christ. Because I, I totally want to lead this church. I do, and I think I'm called, and I think the Lord has completely called me to lead this church. But I don't want to lead a church if we're only going to be with people like ourselves. This lady came up to me this morning after the service, and she goes, you know, it was really good to hear that because I remember when I was homeless for three years, and I thought, I need to care for the homeless. And I know this lady, and I know that she is in a situation um, economically that is far worse than most people that I know at this church. And yet she's like, I'm convicted. I need to get back out there, Pastor. I'm like, you don't need to go back and be in homeless again, but I think you should care for them, right? And then we it goes even further because I think the Lord's challenging me personally on it, like, you know, just ask yourself the question. When's the last time somebody was in your house and ate with you that you're going, I have nothing, I, I have nothing in common with you other than that we're going to break bread in the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm, but I'm going I'm to— I'm going to be here for you. I pray that you'd be here for me. I'm going to actually take that faith, right? When's the last time we did that? It might not even be somebody who looks differently. It might be somebody who struggles with something different than you, right? We we, we we gather together, but do we actually scatter and be in community with one another? Here's another thing. So breaking bread. There was a guy who used to come to this church and he was a mess. There's no doubt about it. Transient guy that lived in the community. And I hadn't seen him in a while. He used to come and he said, but be funny and sometimes do stuff that was wildly inappropriate. And uh, I'm not going to tell you his name, but if you were around four or five years ago, you probably remember. And it was it, was, it, was, it was a good time. I was like, all right, what is he going to do today? You know. But he disappeared. I saw him riding his bike in my neighborhood. And I'm outside playing with my kids. I'm like, there's the guy. And I'm like, oh, what do I do? I want to say what's up to him. But I'm like, I don't want him to know where I live. And like you know, And I'm just like, dang it, dang it, dang it. You know? But I'm a pastor, right? I need an illustration for Sunday. And so, (laughs) so, uh, so I was like, where have you been at, man? Like, what's up, man? He's like, oh, you guys still doing the church thing? He goes, yeah, well, pastor, you know, you wouldn't let me lead in the worship team. I was like, well, because, you know, you were doing, you was doing some stuff, man. Like, And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to come back. I'm getting cleaned up and I'm going to come back. Now, when I come back, I want to lead in that worship team. And I said, listen, we'll figure out something for you to do. You come back and you start serving and you start getting your life right, man. We'll we'll get you we'll get you we'll get you set, set away. But you gotta but you gotta come back, he goes, All right. Uh, can he come to our church? Right? Right? You say that. <laughs> could, he, could he come to your house? So when we get done and we go sign up for those communities, if, if he signed up, can he come to your house? Right? And can the people he kicks away, can they come to your house? The people who who haven't watched House of Cards and don't have Netflix and don't have things like that, can they come over and just say, we don't know what you guys are talking about. Can you guys relate to me at my level? Right? If he came here and he began to serve in this church and became part of this body and he held those communion elements and his hands looked like the way they looked when I saw him a few days ago and he held those elements out, would you take it? Right? The gospel drives us that deep. Not up here. That if, we have, if we're truly a theological church, it should, it should actually show itself, in what Will talked about last week, that we we're actually washing the feet of the people around us. That no matter whether you're a CEO or you're somebody who pushed a cart, that what our church should look like somebody's car should be parked right here and somebody's shopping cart should be parked next to it. And there shouldn't be a huge issue when they come in and they sit down and you go, wow, they clearly have not showered. I'm going to figure out a way that they can actually get help. And we don't become in a paternalistic way. We come in a way of going, um, they are physically, often what we are spiritually. And Jesus says, I, I was the one who was rich, but I became poor because you were actually poor spiritually. And I'm making you rich. Now, go be a blessing to others. Amen? That's the type of church I believe that God's called us to be. And I think you can actually do that. It's just very difficult. It's not messy. It's hard. Right? And a lot of us are not willing to do the work because you know why? We want a good hour and 20 minutes and we want it to be comfortable. If it's too long, we'll leave. We'll, t- we'll leave. And if, if, it, if that's it, I don't know if this is the church for you. I don't think so. I don't think so. But if you really want to be challenged and you really want to continue to look more and more like Jesus, and let's stick around and let's see what God does. So, so, so let me conclude with this. Here's what he did here. These simple components, they devoted themselves to God's word, They broke bread, and we realized breaking bread was actually breaking bread with people that they didn't even know. And then look what the Spirit did. God's Word, God's people, and the Spirit just showed up and blessed them. Verse 43, an awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing proceeds to all and as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and, and having favor with all people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Not a whole lot. Not a lot of programs. Not a great children's ministry. Not a good preacher, right? Not a good worship music. None of that. Like the, the stuff that we complain about, they didn't have any of that, right? It was just, we, we, we devoted ourselves to God's word. We invited people over our house. We started eating. We started sharing things. People, the, the, there was miracles that were happening because God was at work. He was like, there's a mission going on here. We're participating. And God added to their number daily. Daily, right? People, people ask me, do you want a big church? Listen, I'd never, I'd never, ever wanted a big church. When I when I was going through my training, I had to write down like, "What's your ideal church?" I wrote 250 to 400 people where I can know everybody's name. I was I was I was dedicating every baby. I watched them grow up. I mean, like that, like I'm, I could, I might as well move to Kansas, right? And and that's that's ultimately what I wanted. Um, but God was like, I don't want that for you. But when it comes to the fact that really literally the people come to our church, it doesn't matter, right? Like here's 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 my heart, right? You under know my heart. I can care less if we grow numerically, especially if that numerical growth is people leaving other good churches. Like if you go, oh, this other church wasn't doing it. The guy wasn't really bringing it. They didn't have a good children's ministry. The worship was a little off. Go back and sit and repent and quit making it about you. But if it's like this, if we're going to grow because there's people right now that don't know Jesus and because of the ministry of the gospel through you guys and that the word of God is washing us and renewing us and we are breaking bread and people are coming in the mix of our community and through our loving one another that they know we're disciples of Jesus and they want in on that and they become Christian, bring it. Like that's exactly what we want. And I get there's circumstances where people leave church and they're saying, that, that is it really growth in the church in Phoenix or is it whoever's got the latest, hottest, newest, youngest thing that's going on? And I think if we actually begin to live like this and begin to make disciples like that and made that the emphasis, I think some of the people will fall away. And I think some of the people that are long to belong that ultimately want to know Jesus through the ministry of the gospel through you guys, they'll want to get in it from simple things of God's word, God's people, and God's spirit. So when we gather, we gather ultimately to make disciples of Jesus Christ, amen? To be a part of the mission of God. And he calls all sorts of people, young and old, black and white, Jew and Gentile, to the cause of Christ. Let's pray. God, we we need you. We need you. I need you, Lord. Bad, desperately, Lord. God, we are we are we are often ready for sins of commission, the things we commit. But Lord, the sins of omission are huge in our in our church, Lord. That you call us to do things, Lord, that we omit, we don't do, because it actually will. Cause us to rearrange our lives, Lord. And I just pray that you would wreck us by the Holy Spirit. That you would continue to raise up in us, Lord, a desire and affection for you and for your people and for people that don't know you. That we would wrap our arms around people and we allow people to wrap their arms around us. God, I pray that we would live lives bold enough, with enough faith, Lord, that we'd actually have to trust in you, Lord. Often the things we do are very safe and they're very calculated. God, help us not to be predictable people, Lord, but people who completely worship you. That we worship you in every area of life, that we worship you in the way we serve, that we worship you in the way we give, that we worship you in the way that we gather, that it really matters about you, Jesus, that you are truly central to everything that we do. God, I pray that you would do a work in us that we wouldn't ask, think, or imagine, according to the work in which you've started in Christ. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.